Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th best podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show, we'll revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman. And today we are thrilled to welcome a real rock and roll legend. His song, Quarter to Three, is listed on Rolling Stone's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. He's the author of the book, By U.S. Bonds, That's My Story. Please help us welcome one of my favorites, Gary U.S. Bonds. Gary, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Well, to start with, a happy anniversary. It was recently, right? 59 years? Yeah, 59, man. Working on 60 now, huh? That's incredible. Congratulations. Seriously, yeah. Yeah, congratulate her, actually. <laughs> Probably more accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to say, I, I read your book by U.S. Bonds, and it is fascinating. I highly recommend everyone getting it. Uh, you were born in Florida, where both Ike and I live now, but you oh, grew up right. in, yeah, we're, we're, I'm in South Florida, Ike's around Orlando area. Yep. Oh, all right, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you, but you grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, and your mother was a piano teacher? Yeah, she did. She taught the piano a little bit, not a lot, just a little bit down in, in Norfolk when we got there, you know. So, she was so a great, great pianist, unlike me. <laughs> so so you grew up music was always part of your life from even just growing up yeah just from her not not from my father no 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 he was a, he was a, he was a college professor and the only thing he thought about was books <laughs> that was the least of my worries <laughs> well when when did you first realize you had a talent for singing uh, when a girl saw me on the corner singing and she said, boy, you're good. I went, oh, all right. <laughs> That'll do it, won't it? <laughs> this is going to be my life. <laughs> well, about, about how old were you? God, I had to be, uh, I don't know, about 13, 14 years old. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I just, just started. Because my, well, my, 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 my mom had, had, had taken me down to the... Uh, Booker T Theater mm -hmm. uh, back then. That was my first concert, I guess you'd call it, to see Bill Jackson and Ivory Joe Hunter. I don't know, mm. you guys are too young for that, but it, <laughs> and, um, and we went to see them and I went, wow, this is cool. Look at that, all the lights and the, the nice shiny suits and all the girls are screaming. I went, wow. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> well, who were some of your musical influences that kind of fed your burgeoning uh, career? Well, back then, um, my my biggest uh, influence back then was was uh, Clyde McFadden. Oh, mm. I I loved Clyde McFadden. He was uh, to me, he was one of the greatest singers of all times because he could sing those high notes. And uh, for years, I tried to emulate him, but I couldn't because uh, I couldn't find underwear tight enough to make me get those high <laughs> notes like he got them. <laughs> but uh, he was my first one. But then, you know, I, I fell into like, uh, I think it was the Turbans. I don't know if you remember them. Mm -hmm. and, and, and of course, Sam Cooke was like uh, a big guy later on. Um, Jackie Wilson, of course, was like, I, I, I loved him and uh, his antics, which, uh, I call antics, but it was his dancing moves on stage, you know, were pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I learned that later, when, once I got into the business, that all those guys like James Brown and, 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 and Jackie Wilson learned all their steps and moves from a guy named Joe Tex. Remember Joe Tex? Yeah, I've heard of Joe Tex. And he, mm. he taught those guys all of those moves and stuff. And I went, wow, that's interesting to know, you know? Because uh, I, I mean, Joe Tex would move, but I never saw him move like that. But he mm. was teaching those guys how to do that. And that was cool. And the moves with James Brown with the, with the uh, what is it, the microphone, he'd throw it and catch it with the rope. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
I, I could never do any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> were you were you in any groups? Oh, by the way, I, I'm curious. Were you in any groups when you were younger as a kid? Well, just, yeah, we formed a group in Northrop. You know, just just a neighborhood group called the mm -hmm. Tricks, which sure. uh, which is why we how we got started because Frank Guida came by and saw us singing on the corner from where I lived on, on, in front of Boone's Market and uh, and recognized that we had some talent. He says, one day, you know, I'm going to open up a studio and I want you guys to come in and uh, record with me. And I went, great, okay. But meanwhile, you know, by the time he got the studio together and, uh, and came back to get us, most of the guys had moved out of the neighborhood and uh, I was the only one there <laughs> that was still singing. So, hey, lucky for me, I got the part, you know. <laughs> what made you, you, I read that you grew up, you started singing in a church choir. So how did you go from singing that to wanting to perform rock? Well, you know, it wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know why they call it me singing in the church choir. I, I wasn't, I mean, I was religious because my whole family was all Baptist and Methodist at the time, but. Actually, I, would, I sang in the choir only because the preacher there would pay me $5 on Sunday to come and sing. <laughs> well, that's a good incentive. <laughs> yeah, and I'd go in and I'd sing a couple of nice little hymns, and everybody thought I was a little sweet little boy for the neighborhood. I was just trying to collect money so me and the guys could go buy a bottle. So... <laughs> 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 well, I, I personally know how to break into the acting profession because that's my background, but I'm always fascinated about how people manage to break into music. So how did you initially, I mean, how did you get signed, finally get signed? Well, that was it. This guy, Frank Guida, who said he'd opened the studio, came by and he pulled me in. He goes, well, where the rest of the guys? I went, I don't know. They're gone. They don't live here anymore. I'm it. He was okay. Well, you ready to do something? I would. Yeah. He took me in, and uh, we recorded New Orleans, the, the first record, and it was a hit. That's how I got in there. You know. <laughs> wow. So, so, I smuggled my way in. <laughs> wow. So, so what's that? New Orleans comes out. So what's that like for like a teenager to hear his song on the radio? It was strange the first day I heard it because we, me and my mom and a couple of guys were sitting on the front porch back, you know, down south, that's what we did. And we had this radio out there and uh, we just sit there and mom's in the swing and we, me and the guys are just like patting each other on the back of the head on the porch. And the radio comes on and the guy says, here's a new one, Jack Holmes, it was a DJ at the time. Here's a new record by a new guy here in town, one of our own from Norfolk, Virginia, a uh, thing called New Orleans, uh, sung by U.S. Bonds. <laughs> what? What is that? <laughs> I didn't know anything about U.S. Bonds because I didn't know he had renamed me. And I went, oh. I went, wow, look at this, man. I've been in, I've been in, I've been in business now for about two days, and, and already they've stolen everything from me. <laughs> So, so that was it. So you were manager who changed your name? Just he, yeah, he did. He changed it to a U.S. Bond, and but I didn't know anything about it, and I hated that name <laughs> until I got the first check. That went, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so they said. So it's U.S. So it's just it shouldn't. You're known as U.S. Bond, and uh, so I was reading. They they kept your identity a secret. Yeah. At the beginning. Yeah, they kept it. Uh, I, I don't, well, what you know what had happened? He, he, uh, the studio was next door to Card's Delicatessen. Okay. And Mr. Card was a big fan, I guess you could say, of the United States savings bonds and all that it involved. He had a, a big flag on behind his deli uh, uh, station, and uh, he had a big gigantic. Uh, life-size post of the uh, United States savings bonds. I don't know if mm -hmm. you guys remember that. Yeah. And everything yeah. about bonds and stuff was in his store. And uh, he sold bonds there. So I think that's where uh, uh, Frank Guida got the uh, idea from, was to let's see if we can take the, 
that name, make it sound like this guy that we recorded is part of the United States bonds and uh, maybe it'll sell some records. It worked. Wow. But I never sold any bonds. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you did did and just didn't realize it. <laughs> I know, but I, I, after a while, I, I, a couple of years later, I went, if I'm selling these bonds, how come I, I don't have one? <laughs> I would I would think they would give me at least one. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I had to go buy a $25 bond. <laughs> so now I was reading that this that they didn't they didn't want to show who you were at the time they didn't want to show your face around. What no, when the record show? when the record came out, it, it started playing on uh, the uh, well, you know, back then the, the white stations, the pop stations they called it, you know, and uh, whereas I was as a black guy, I was supposed to be on the R and B stations. Well. But all the white DJs thought I was a white guy. <laughs> so we said, well, well, they said, you know, well, if we show a picture of him, or if he goes on TV, or, you know, or he goes in the public, then everybody's going to know. So they, they kept me out of that for months. I mean, when New Orleans came out, I didn't go on, 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 on tour or anything. I didn't, and then Not Me came out. And I didn't go. When quarter to three came out and it started rising on the charts, then everybody went, well, where is this guy? Is, mm. there, is there really a guy? You know? <laughs> so I had to come out. But by then, I was such a mainstay on the pop stations, they couldn't take me off. So I mean, so it, it kind of worked in my favor, you know? But it, took, it was it was almost two years out of the spotlight. Incredible! Oh wow. my yeah. god! And you have you have one story in your book. You you just mentioned Sam Cooke, that you said yeah. Sam Cooke was responsible for changing the way you were as a performer. Oh yeah, that was strange. I, well, my first one of my first professional gigs was at the uh, Howard Theater in Washington D.C., mm -hmm. and I had to work with uh, Sam. Sam Cooke was on 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 the show and Laverne Baker. Ruth Brown, um, I think BB King was on there, and wow. and it was it was a really you know, at the time a great show, you know. And um, so when I would go on stage, you know, all the, the older guys, Sam Cooke and you know, and 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 BB King and all, they come and watch me, and they critique me when I got off stage. You know, they go, hey, hey, you did a nice job, but. You should uh, do this. You should do that. You know, and next time, raise your hand this way. Lift your leg over here. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I went okay. And the next gig we had was at the Apollo Theater in New York. Mm -hmm. And I went out on stage at one of the shows, and uh, I came back, and uh, Sam Cooke said, "Bonds, what, what are you doing?" I go, I, I don't know, what you know, so I didn't do anything he had told me to do. He said, I told you to do this, and you didn't do it. I told you to do it, you didn't do it. You know, he says, but well, next time you do that, you know, do, do what I tell you, okay? I went out the next show, and I didn't. And when I walked off stage, Sam slapped me so hard, it was almost like Will Smith and... and, and <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was one of those kind of slaps, wow. you know? I went, oh my God, uh, I don't want to ever <laughs> take him off again. And I and I didn't. To this day, I'm I'm they, they can't shut me up now. Now <laughs> 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 I talk too much. <laughs> not at all, not at all. So you, you just mentioned quarter to three. So when quarter to three came out, that was like a huge, huge hit for you. Did that start to change your life afterwards? Oh yeah, quarter to three was a big, big, big change. You know, well, I went to number one, so that was like, uh, mm. you know, very few people have had number one yeah. records. Isn't that amazing? Out of all of these uh, major, major artists and all that. You know, I happen to be one of them. Thank mm. God. <laughs> but a lot of people come out and don't get there. I mean, a lot of people that you think had a number one record never had a number one record. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. And I He's had little old me slip through the <laughs> weeds there for a minute. <laughs> it's such a great song. I mean, but you, you start going on tour and you're still so young and, and you're traveling with more experienced acts. Yeah. Uh, who, were the, some, who were the, some of the groups that you toured with uh, besides uh, Sam Cooke? Oh, God, I, everybody back then. And, uh, and, and especially uh, during the Dick Clark era, uh, did a lot of the Dick Clark shows when they first come out, mm -hmm. the Cavalcade of Stars and stuff. Right. And most of the acts that I worked with them were were white acts, you know. I was out with the with the uh, Bobby Darrens and, and the Frankie Avalons, and you know, you name them, you know. And I was there. And it was the only black guy, and we were working down south. Oh boy, that was a kick. So, mm. <laughs> so a lot of times when we had to go into uh, uh, the hotels or motels that we were staying in, I couldn't go in the front like they did, you know. Mm. You know, had, I, I had to stay on the bus and they would go get a room for me and uh, and then they'd wait and then I'd get come out the back. They, when, they, when they parked the bus in the back, then I'd get out and go in the back and go in my room. You know, nobody knew I was ever there. But it was kind of cool because, you know, I was the only one that could tell Frankie Avalon, hey, go get me a steak sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 I was the head honcho all of a sudden you know <laughs> oh my god well you, you mentioned dick clark you made several uh appearances on american bandstand what 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 was he like and what can you tell us about the time on the show and and did those appearance appearances help catapult your career Oh yeah, Dick Clark. Uh, to this day, I, th I thank him for that because if it wasn't really for him, I don't think there would be uh, me. Uh, mm. When he he, uh, he even with New Orleans, and and uh, and even not me, that wasn't a, a major major hit for me. But uh, he would play that. In fact, New Orleans was the one song that was on American Bandstand that he played twice in one show oh well oh you wow. know nobody nobody else did that he did new orleans twice in one show so without him there probably wouldn't be me you know all of a sudden in new orleans which was doing very very bad very very bad became a, a number top five record mm. you know? wow uh, and, and that was because of america Bandstand and dick clark well and, and you you stayed you stayed close with Dick Clark to the rest the rest of his life. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. You know, he was that was my buddy, and uh, he, even after we got to be together on uh, on the road, uh, I, I was the only one he would he would share uh, a drink with. <laughs> nobody nobody knew he drank. You know. Mm. <laughs> And he would call me, he called me up and marry hey, Bonds. What are you doing? I go, I'm just sitting there, Dick. Yeah. Come on over. Let's have a little something. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Cause he's like the epitome of clean cut for sure. I mean, there's no oh, doubt yeah. about it. Oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> no, I love love oh, so I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that was, I, I, I love Dick Clark. He was just sweet, you know? Mm. Uh, you you had done a movie in the early '60s as well. What what was that? What was that movie? Oh God, yeah, I I don't know. They 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 said that was a movie. <laughs> I have my doubts about, it. but it, it, it was good. I mean, it came out and we got a lot of recognition for it. I think it was it was called Trad Dad, a Rock Around Rhythm or something. They had a couple of names for it by the time it, it got out there, but. Uh, <laughs> I hear it was a it was a good movie, but, but the content wasn't that good. I it, no, the movie wasn't that good. It really <laughs> mostly was. mostly just to hear the, the the band singing and everyone. Yeah, you know, it was it was almost like Blues Brothers too. You know, <laughs> you know, it, it, if it wasn't for the music, you could throw this in the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you also did a tour of uh, Europe at that time. With you had Don Arden, the promoter, Sharon Osbourne's dad. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it then. I didn't know them. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was a, that was good. That was my first time over in, in Europe uh, with uh, Johnny Burnett, 
And uh, what was the other guy's name? Uh, it took a hundred pounds of clay. That guy. Uh, oh, I, I know exactly. Oh, I, can't, I, can't I, of, I can't think of his name, but uh, him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we had a we had a great time. My first time over there, and it was fantastic. And uh, it would, we had some uh, really nice times there. God, so on this tour, you you actually headlined over the Beatles, yes? No, no, no. <laughs> oh, they headlined over the. Well, you know what it was. When I came back from from Europe, Frank Guida, like I said, was my manager then. Um, told me that he said, you, you, you know, the guys that uh, you you that backed you up over there while you were in Europe. Uh, they're called the Beatles. I could, I don't, I don't recall what they were called. All I know, all we knew was, was the band. Because yeah. when you go over there, they give you a band, oh. and they back you up. Okay. And then you go and you do your show. They learn, try to learn your songs, you know, and you do them the best you can. And the first week over there, when we got back to London, we fired those guys. Not just <laughs> But me, Johnny Burnett, and and the other guy, we finally got they weren't that good. <laughs> but you know, to be honest, the reason we I say they weren't that good because rock and roll had just come out too, and and it really just come out over there. So they didn't really know what rock and roll was, so they did the best they could, but we didn't like it. So we had another band. And they were worse. <laughs> so when we got back to London again, we rehired the band again. <laughs> and they finished the rest of the tour. But they tell me it was the Beatles. I don't think it was the Beatles. <laughs> I'm pretty sure some people tell me now that it wasn't the Beatles. It was They were called the Fleet Fleckers or Fleckers. Or, I don't know what they were called. You know, but the, he he said they were the Beatles. You know, <laughs> managers lie like that. <laughs> well, yeah. You, <laughs> do you think? <laughs> well, that's a much better story than we thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's a better story for you to say that you fired the Beatles. I love that. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, right. that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> no, I, I'm not if that would have happened, but it, we thought it had. <laughs> well, what what were some of your other memories from from that tour that you can share? Um, let's see. wasn't that wasn't that much? I mean, we did we did our shows. We stayed in. Um, it, I I didn't like the food, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, I, I I did like the people. The people were great, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, the, the the fans over there are, and to this day, they're still the same. When they like you, they like you. They love you. Mm -hmm. They know everything about you. They learn. They sit down and learn everything about you, which is kind of weird. But <laughs> but they, I mean, they know your your family's names, your cousins, <laughs> your uncles, and all that. But but they love you, you know. Oh. And um, that, that's that's kind of cool, but weird. <laughs> <laughs> so it's ironic that you know I was reading in also from your book that that the British the British invasion then made things difficult for the American acts. Yeah, it did, huh? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it it kind of uh, those guys came along and and just pushed us right out of the, out of the picture. Um, got me down into uh, just doing the what I used to call the Holiday Inn Act, mm. you know? So I was just doing Holiday Inns and Sheratons, and every now and then we got the big gigs like the Hilton, you know? <laughs> so, but but those, those, those are good days too. I enjoy those, you know, mm -hmm. those are nice. Mm. Well, I've, I've actually, to bring up a sore subject, personally known, I, an old friend of mine who was a well-known recording artist um, back in those days who had bad management, lost a lot of money, which seemed to be, I learned, a little bit more common than one would like to think in the music industry. Was it around this time that you 
discovered your manager had been uh, had been cheating you? No, I didn't know. You know, by the time uh, that I figured out that things weren't going my way, you know, when when, when people would come to me and go, "Well, who's your manager?" I'd go, oh, you know, uh, Frank Weeder. Uh, who's your publicist? And oh, uh, Frank Weeder. Uh, who takes care of your money? Oh, Frank Weeder. You know, <laughs> and then, uh, all of a sudden I went, wait a minute, that's, that sounds weird. <laughs> mm. You know, so, but by the time I'd looked and that uh, everything was going his way and not mine, no. I, I, I kind of got it before it, it, I nipped it in the bud, as they say, you know. So before it really got bad, I, I kind of mm -hmm. figured it all out and, and that worked out good for me. Oh, well, that's, that's it didn't work out good for me later on because then I had other managers who I didn't know anything about. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and they did some strange things to me. Well, you know, that's I think we as artists, we're we're more into doing the music. You know, we just we just want to do our music, you know, and which is bad. This is why I'm 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 so proud of a, a lot of these rap guys now. You know, they do what they want to do, but they learn the business right away. Mm. You know? And I tell a lot of guys that's getting into the business, I say, they say, well, what do I do first? I say, first, you get a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Then you figure out what kind of songs you're going to do, you know? <laughs> and that seemed to, I wish I had known that yet. Mm. Mm -hmm. There's there's one part that I read that I couldn't believe, which was fascinating to me, I, and I could so see it because it's a bizarre show business story. You are on a bill with Joe Frazier and Tiny Tim. Can oh, you tell us about that? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> Joe Frazier and Tiny Tim. I was in the Catskills. Oh my god! Uh, and I get there, and we get to the venue, and. And then they started having an argument about who was gonna headline. <laughs> and I went, I don't think I wanna get in this argument. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a losing situation. Either way I go. <laughs> All right, guys, you take care of it. Joe Frazier wind up, uh, winds up winning the argument and he becomes, the headliner show. Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm going on first, guys. Hope you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And I sat back and watched the most amazing things happening on stage <laughs> that I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, you know, Tiny Tim was Tiny Tim. I mean, right. no getting around what Tiny Tim did. And he, he did Tiny Tim. But Joe Frazier, started singing things that had everything to do with boxing. And he changed all the lyrics around to every song that everybody knew, but there were different lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, well, what is he talking about? He's doing Stand By Me? Why does he want to beat up somebody in Stand By Me? <laughs> <laughs> It sounds more like like a, a modern performance art piece than a musical. Yeah. Show. For goodness it sakes, was that's it crazy. was amazing. It was amazing, <laughs> and I mean, God bless his soul. But you know, he really thought he was he was a great singer. Oh. He, was not, he was not a great singer. <laughs> a great oh, boxing year, but not a great singer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so when when did Springsteen come into your life? That was uh, later on, uh, early 70s, was it early 70s, I think, uh, when I was working, as I said, my uh, Holiday Inn Act. Uh, he came in to see me in a, in a town in Jersey, near where he lived, him and a couple of his friends. And they came in and uh, I had no idea who he was, you know, at all. <laughs> and, and one of the guys came up near the stage while I was on there. And say, look, we have a friend about that in the audience would like to come up and do some songs with you. Do you mind? I was, wow, no, not at all. You know, give me a time to get off here and go get a beer. 
And so he told me his name and I went, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we want to bring up a young man. Here. I think you're going to love him. I have no idea. And he's going to be a great guy. He's going to sing some great music. You're going to love every song he's going to get. And you're going to have a nice time. How about a big round of applause for my friend and yours now, Bruce Springsteen. And the crowd went, wow. <laughs> And I went, wow, who, who is this guy? Oh my <laughs> God. Everybody knew him but me. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he came up and we had <laughs> an hour and a half of the most fantastic time I've had a long and a long time at that time. Mm. You know, and uh, we just sang together, joked together, and did some songs. And we became friends that, that evening. And uh, I think we're still friends. I hope we are. <laughs> Maybe not after this show, but <laughs> <laughs> so that's when you. When did you decide to collaborate on an album together? Well, he called me up one day when he was recording in in uh, New York, <clears throat> and he says, "Bon, I'm down here in, in, in I'm, I'm here in New York City, and we're doing this song." He said, "Man, it, it sounds so much like you." He says. I'd, I'd like for you to come and, and, and listen to this and see if you want to do this song, man. So I went, okay. And at the time I was in, I was in Brooklyn, living in Brooklyn, but I just got married by my wife. And um, so I, I, I went in and he started playing this song. Uh, it, was, it was a great song, you know. Um, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it was on the, on the album, the first, first song. Uh, dedication. Dedication, yeah. It was on the dedication album and it was dedication, the song itself. And I went, yeah, that sounds like some quarter to three kind of stuff. So he says, well, let's do it. Hmm. And I'm in there with the E Street Band and we just rocked that, rocked it out. And uh, we, we got through and he went, man, this is pretty good. We ought to do some more of this stuff. And I went, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we got to do the dedication album just, well, and, and just and we we did it all in less than uh less than a month wow well, yeah I, this little girl is is one of my favorites and i, I still play the hell out of that song and yeah so how did it how did it feel after like all those years then now all of a sudden you have another big hit climbing the charts i know i'm looking at that and i'm going wow look at this man i've been an oldie but a goodie twice <laughs> 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 no, that was great, and and uh, he actually wrote that song right here uh, at, at the house here. Wow! And so and we got the we got the piano that that's in it was downstairs. It's in the den now, and uh, it's kind of a little shaky. <laughs> and my wife wants to get rid of. It. I said, "You can't get rid of it." Bruce Springsteen wrote the song. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's true. Yes. <laughs> he goes, what do you want to do? I said, I want to sell it. <laughs> well, that hasn't happened yet. So. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't been sold, and she's still ticked off. <laughs> well, well, it had to feel great that knowing that these major stars idolized you. Yeah, that, that uh, it really is. I mean, no, I, I, I'm very pleased that uh, we have a good time together. And 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 Bruce, is, he's such a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. He really is a nice guy, you know. And, uh, and every time when I get a chance to see him, you know, it's always a pleasure to sit and talk with him because he has some amazing stories himself. You oh, know? Sure, sure. So, <laughs> but but you knew you knew Clarence Clemens beforehand. No, I, that's what I was saying. I, I, I didn't really uh, uh, know him. I knew I knew of him, you know, because we were from the same area. Right. But I, I didn't really get to, a chance to really get to meet him until, um, you know, I, I, I met Bruce, and then we we met up at the at the studio, mm -hmm. and uh, and then he he kind of said something about, do you remember when I you look familiar? Because yeah, well. I'm from your area. I went, oh, wow, okay. All right. So you're one of the crooks too, huh? <laughs> well, well, speaking of Clarence, I mean, you filmed, and you mentioned it before, you filmed Blues Brothers 
2000 and performed yeah. New Orleans with Clarence and Bo Diddley, Lou Rawls, Billy Preston, and many oh, others. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, that clip is just amazing. How much fun was that to make? That was a lot of fun. I mean, uh, man, the, uh, just the, uh, in the trailers in the back. <laughs> oh, that was, that, that was weird. <laughs> There was a there was a party going on every fifteen minutes back there. <laughs> oh, I I have actually heard uh, yeah a few stories back in the day about those two and, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah we had we had so everybody had I mean we we knew each other most of us for a hundred years you know mm. so we had stories up the gazoo you know <laughs> that we talked about and we talked about all the women we had known and how pretty they were. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they may look that good now, but they didn't look that good. <laughs> that was the whiskey talking again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, what made you finally decide to write your memoir, um, Buy US Bonds? That's my story. Well, we were in Europe, and a friend of mine from, from here in New York, uh, Steve Cooper, who uh, who helped me write the book, uh, he, he was uh, he, he has he has he has a few bucks here and there. Yeah. So he decided he was going to go to Europe with us, and I went okay. So he we he traveled the whole tour with us, stayed in every suite. I mentioned that because when when I was in my little room. Steve had a suite. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> yeah. And um, so finally, after about, I guess about a couple of weeks into the tour, he came out, he says, Vance, I want you to read some of this. I go, what is that? And he had written up a little thing that from, from what we were doing on tour, you know, like a little novel. And I read it and I went, wow, this is really good, Steve. He goes, yeah, you know, I, I, I would like to be a writer one day. And I go, why, you know? How much money do you, much more money do you need? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, no, no, he says, I'd like to do your book. Hmm. And I went, oh, cause I'd always, always thought about doing something like that, but I had, I didn't know how to do that. You know, I didn't know how to get started on writing a book. And I went, okay, let's go for it, man. Let's go. Mm. You know how to do it. I think you can do it. And he was absolutely phenomenal with this book. Pain in the butt because <laughs> he'd come to the he'd come to the house every day. And he'd let me know about this. Let me know about this. Let me know about that. Tell me what happened. Here. What happened when they were, oh my God, Steve, leave me alone. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but he got he got me through it. And uh, and, and there it is. That's my story. Mm. <laughs> when, mm. when you were writing it, did anything come back to you that you might have forgotten about otherwise? <laughs> yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> a lot of things I didn't want to <laughs> anybody to know, but but we did it anyway, you know. <laughs> It was a lot of good. We didn't do anything bad. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I, I said for one thing, I, I don't want to write these other books like everybody else. Did. I don't. I don't want to talk about the, all the trashing anyone. Right? The sex acts and all this <laughs> other stuff, which there were none. <laughs> <laughs> and I. Uh, drinking and all that so I don't want to talk about it. I just want to talk about the fun times and uh, and and me and and my wife and, and and my kid you know and that's it and he went okay let's do it hmm. and that's what we talked about it was some hard times that we had you know mm -hmm. even living in Norfolk you know at the time there was some always ups a lot of downs you know but a few good ups and uh, and I'm glad of that no, you overcame a lot. Your book was fascinating. I said, uh, one of the one of the things that, that stuck out to me in your book is your friendship with uh, which you mentioned in the book several times about with Benny King. And yeah. he was such a fantastic performer. I saw him in concert, actually, too. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your relationship with him? Benny and I, we talked 
uh, oh God, we used to talk at least once a week. He lived in Jersey, but uh, he was always busy, you know, but we'd always stay together. It was me and, and, and Benny, and do you, you remember Chuck Jackson? Yeah. Uh, any day now, uh, you know, I, I don't want to cry. Um, the three of us would have a, uh, a conference call every week, at least once a week. And we just talk and just tell, as we say, tell our lies, you know, and, and keep living life and tell us, you know, what we were doing. Uh, that week and, and what we were going to do the next week. And, and that was it. It was just always, you know, we weren't handsy-handsy kind of friends. We were talky-talky kind of friends, you know. Mm -hmm. And that was cool. That was cool. And yeah. I, got him, I got him to come over with me uh, the last part of his life when we did the tour back in England again. And, and him and I did it over there. Mm. He didn't want to do it. That was right after he had his... Uh, his heart attack and he had a little stroke kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So he was a little shaky. He he didn't want to go because he, he he didn't think he could carry it, you know? And I talked him into it and uh, and he did a great job. I mean, he got over there and about three or four days into, into this whole thing, it all kind of got back together for him, you know? And he was rocking and rolling with it, you know? And we, we carried, We had a great. We had a great tour. We had a great tour over there, and I'm gonna miss it. Yeah. He's a good friend. Yeah. No, sorry. Uh, sorry about him. But yeah. uh, you you had one part in your book also about you know, about Ricky Nelson in Madison Square Garden, how he didn't like going back and replaying his older hits. Uh, yeah. What, what happened that day? Well, yeah. You. you well, you. I think you, you. Everybody talked about that. But, but I was there for that. And I couldn't understand why, you know, and, and every, even backstage, I mean, all, all the other actors, I'm like, you know, well, he's doing these songs. Why, why is he doing these songs? I go, well, why shouldn't he do these songs, you know? You know, everybody, you know, well, these guys, they had all settled in their ways. I think I was a, one, of the, one of the young guys that I understood that, you know, I, I want to do something different. I don't want to do the same thing all the time. I mean, I got to do it. I mean, quarter to three, I got to do that. Mm -hmm. But can I do something else with it? You know, <laughs> why do I have to just do that and then leave, you know? And uh, look, he proved him wrong. He proved him wrong. And uh, I'm glad he did. It made me feel good later, even though I had nobody to brag to. For it. <laughs> But in my mind, I knew it. I, I told you guys. <laughs> well, getting getting back to, to Benny King, you said that um, he had talked about playing the older hits. What what was that? How did he feel about it? Uh, yeah, he liked that too because uh, Benny was a creative guy. You know, he was always a creative. And in uh, fact, I, I wrote a song for him, and I understood he turned it down. And in fact, we, we, we're putting this song out, was it next next week? I think next, uh, the next two weeks, you know? And, really? Uh, he, yeah, he turned it down and, and I couldn't understand it. Why, why did Benny turn my song down? And then I realized that Benny's a songwriter himself. Why would he want to do my song? <laughs> he would <laughs> want to do his song, <laughs> you know? And uh, I'm still sad he turned it down because I, I, I think what you hear it, you're gonna go. That would have been a great song for Benny. Oh, but I can't it, wait! I'm looking forward. To it. <laughs> yeah, it's called, it's called 1950s, caught in the 1950s kind of mood. I will, I will be on the lookout. I can't wait for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be good. <laughs> well, you kind of touched on it already, but how do you feel about playing your hits? Uh, I, I love it. Yeah, I love. Well, look, I, I'm a good time guy, you know, and. When I go out there to perform, it's not a task for me. This is that—that's my fun time. You mm -hmm. know, people go bowling and, and go golfing and swimming and all that. I go performing, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I can sit down and that—that—that's that, my martini. Mm. <laughs> 
Now, you, you've been such a big influence to many other performers. Uh, how do you reflect upon your legacy in rock and roll now? I, I hope I have one. <laughs> oh, you do. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> I hope I have one. I hope I'm uh, uh, capable enough to, 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 to somebody can look at and go, I want to be just like him. God forbid. But <laughs> and that, that, that would be a good thing. To, to see that. I like to have that uh, on the mantle when my, my daughter comes along and goes, yeah, that, that guy is just like my dad. <laughs> you know? mm. <laughs> Do you still keep in touch with other performers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we still got that. I, I do a lot of them. In fact, uh, most of them are girls now. Hmm. All of a sudden, uh, I wind up, find up talking to uh, like Shirley Alston a lot. I talked to Lala Brooks, you know. Oh, yeah. I talked to her a lot. Um, I, I, you, I, I don't know what happened to Chuck Jackson. All of a sudden, he moved. He left New York and moved to uh, Atlanta. Excuse me, I got the sniffles there for some reason. <laughs> I'm in New York. You might have anything here. But... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, but all of a sudden I lost contact with him. I hope I hope he's okay. But it's been about three weeks now that I haven't heard from him, and uh, mm. I'm a little concerned, you know. Mm. But I yeah, I, right. part of the guys I talked to, I, I, Steve Van Zandt, I talked to a lot. Oh well, <laughs> you know, and, and and I've known Steve. God, I knew him when he was uh, the guitar player for the uh, Dovells mm -hmm. back in the day, you know. And all of a sudden, uh, here me and Steve again, <laughs> which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah. Well, who do you like in in today's music? I like, you know, I don't I don't get a chance to listen to a lot of today's music, but I I, I still like Bruno Mars. I like that little, mm. guy. you know. Yeah. I, I watch it. Well, he, his song popped into my head today for some strange reason, and that's probably why it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just like the way he carries himself, you know. Mm. He, he, he's a pretty good. And there's a lot of good, good guys out here. There really are a lot of great, great musicians out here still. And there always will be, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as they got good managers. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, also, is is golf still a, a passion of yours? Because I, I know you've done a lot of celebrity golf tournaments. Yeah, I still I still play golf. Well, I don't call it playing golf now. I just call it hitting the golf ball now because I can't play like I used to. <laughs> yeah. right. I'm getting too old to hit the little ball now. The little <laughs> ball is starting to hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what, what do you what do you have planned next? Like I said, we've been uh, on on this COVID trip here for what last two years, mm -hmm. and um, we got. I'm, it's really been kind of good for me because I'm up four albums now. Oh wow! That we've done now. What we did, like the one we put out now, uh, which is we don't have a name for it yet, right? My daughter said we might call it souvenirs. Oh, that's cool. And uh, I got one we're going to do that's called Have Party, We'll Travel, which is a lot of songs that I did that I used to like, mixed that's in with cool. a lot of new songs, rock and roll kind of songs, of my style today. And uh, it um, that's pretty cool. And then we have a, I got a blues album that we're doing, which is, it's called Baby Blues, which is, every song is the title of Baby. You know, <laughs> Baby, what you want? <laughs> you know, sound like that. <laughs> from, from way back in the day that my, my mom taught me, you know? <laughs> so we're gonna, and what we do is, I have the studio here in the house, and my guys got studio hookups in their homes, my band, and what we do, I send them ideas of what I want to do, and they they give it back to me, and I mix it all together here at my house, you mm. know, and so, and we never see each other. Wow, wow. Yeah. for two years, for two years we never saw each other, <laughs> you know, except for like this, you know, mm -hmm. 
and and we, we recorded. And then my wife and my daughter, my back backup singers. So I got backup right here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, it sounds phenomenal. Yeah, I mm. mean it's 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 and it's a lot of fun. It's something for me to do, you know. I can go downstairs in, in the studio in my underwear if I want. Because <laughs> 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 so it's only me and, 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 and my family and, and have a good time by myself. Mm. And it's great. It's That's good. Oh, we're looking forward to that. Any plans to tour Florida? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I, 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 miss, I miss Florida a lot. I miss everything a lot now. These days, I really do. But yeah, I plan to. I plan to come down there when we when we get this over with. In fact, I was thinking we were thinking about uh, uh, buying a condo down in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, that's near me. That's great. Is it? Yeah, we're going to yeah. buy a condo down there because all my friends are there. You know, my my, my uh, golfing buddy Mike. I don't know if you know Mike Peters from the. Uh, Owns the topless joints down there. <laughs> I never, never heard of such places. <laughs> yes, I know. But he's a really good friend of mine, way, way back. But he's got all the uh, owns a bunch of the uh, was it solid golds, pure platinum, all that. And right. and so I go down there and play golf with him. I don't hang out at the club. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> Well, I hope you do. I hope you do manage to tour here. With, so if you do, we're going to come see you. So. Oh, please do, man. I'd love to have you guys down. You're a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's been an absolute pleasure. We thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. And, you know, big fans, big, 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 big fans for a long time. And uh, it was such a pleasure to get to talk to you. Oh, it's been my pleasure, guys. Thank you so much, Jonathan and Ike. <laughs> Yes, thank you, sir. And thank, thank you, you, Lori. Thank you, Lori, for setting this up. <laughs> she left us a long time. Okay. <laughs> well, again, this has been Pop Culture Retro. I'm Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman. And a special thanks to Gary U.S. Bonds. And please, subscribe. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast. <laughs>